I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honour to be here and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Hey Dave, I'm thinking about doing another revolution. Do you want to join up? I might need some help with organising the pamphlets though. Pop Culture Pasta And so um, I'm just saying that if the Empire would have been led by Steve Jobs instead of the Emperor, Palpatine. Um, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, none of that would have ever happened because the whole, the whole um, saga comes down to the fact that they couldn't change their USB ports so that an old 30-year-old droid like R2-D2 couldn't stop tapping into their system. Steve Jobs would have had that stuff nipped in the bud Immediately, I mean, Apple's always changing theirs so that other people can't make money off of their connections. But yet R2-D2, who because of the prequels we know is at least 30 years old. Yeah. How, how fast is technology? Like 30-year-old technology in our world is like Obsolete. Stone Age. How, how, how fast does technology move in the Star Wars universe? Um, should be much faster. Should be. Or maybe they have reached like the end of advancement. So I've decided whoever their contractor was to build the Death Stars and all that unforgivable sin of, oh, yeah. of not updating the ports for data that R2-D2 could just randomly plug into and do whatever he wanted. I mean, just think like computer games. Yeah. You had the Oregon Trail. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. 30 years, man. R2-D2 is 30 years old, and he's plugging into the Death Star, like, you know, present-day technology. Yeah. Made they by must, an evil empire. Must be at, like, they've already advanced so much that there's minimal room to advance. <laughs> Something. Something's wrong. You make you take that out of the equation, they're in trouble. They don't make it out of episode four of New Hope. Yeah. They're flattened in a trash compactor. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in flatness. Um, hey, uh, hello, and how are you? Welcome to Pop Culture Pastor, the podcast. Yeah. I'm Dave. Cody's here. I am. And uh, we're here to talk about everything pop culture that we can fit into, and we got a lot to fit in today. I'm you just going to I'm just gonna be honest with you off the front. This is, we got a lot to fit in here. Okay. So let's just get started with our news. And there's a lot of news and because the Super Bowl happened. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to make a declaration. The Super Bowl is better than Comic-Con. Changed my mind. Um, I'll disagree. The Super Bowl has way more releases. Like all those trailers we got. Um, the best trailers happen at comic-con yeah but not and not every year some of them are lame some years and then the covid years where it's been kind of even more lame and then like you get the announcement of oh we're making like these 30 films over the next three years okay well how about this since the last couple comic cons have been lame because of covid are we seeing a shift to where more of these huge trailers will come out at the super bowl rather than like hoping for an event that may or may not be, you know, online. Um, I mean, short term, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
I don't know. The Super Bowl was amazing uh, with everything we got to see. I mean, if we're just going down the list, we got to see the new Jurassic World trailer. Loosely based on my real life story. It really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we'll go on. I mean, <laughs> I live a block away from you. I had no idea that your life was so adventurous. Yes. With you and Chris Pratt, and Dr. Alan Grant. And uh, Bryce Jeff, Dallas Jeff, Howard. Jeff and, Goldblum. Yeah. Whose name I can't remember. <laughs> uh, uh, Ian, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say his name's Ian. Well, what do we think about that movie? Um, I'm going to watch it. We're now officially in the Lost World segment of our reboot, sort of reboot, uh, in our Jurassic World rebootish type thing. I don't even know what you call this. Yeah. Because the first one, Jurassic World, the first Jurassic World, there's really no, there's hardly many connections drawn. I mean, there's a couple. Yeah, they, they talk about like the previous island and that they have updated everything yeah. so it's better and more affordable. So technically it's a sequel, but you felt like it was more of a reboot. But now we're getting, now with this trailer, we see all the people from the original. Yeah. With the people we've grown to love in this new trilogy. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to say, I wasn't that enamored with the last movie. Um, in fact, I saw it in the theater, never saw it again. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch it now. My wife cried at the last one. Of course she did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. A dinosaur got left on the island and it was very sad as it was dying. Here is where um, this gets difficult for me. I find that I'm only interested in the Jurassic Park structure of the story as it pertains to people going to the island and it being there mm -hmm. once. And it seems like you take these movies far enough. It always ends up at the same place where dinosaurs have made it to the real world. Yeah. And now I don't know if I'm interested. However, the caveat here is I saw the trailer. I saw the people in it and I thought, okay, you get my money. I'm going to go see it, but I'm still unsure. So like, there's some weirdos out there, and I'll I'll label them weirdos. This one's on me. That are totally in. That no, that oh. loved the second Jurassic Park movie. Oh, it's yeah. like the worst one in my opinion. Absolutely, totally, hundred percent agree. And like, if you look at the cast, there's some big names. I mean, you have Jeff Goldblum, Vince Vaughn's in it. But that was Vince Vaughn, Vaughn right when he was blowing up too. Yeah, so young Vince Vaughn. But like, the issue is. Like a T-Rex gets in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And that's ridiculous to me. <clears throat> Too far-fetched. But this one's going farther, I think. It's going way farther. And I'm here for it. Okay. Like so far, like I didn't feel there was a huge drop off with Jurassic World from Jurassic World One to Two. Yeah. And so maybe the third one will be a plateau and it'll be like good and it'll be worth going to the movies for and then i'll feel happy yeah. I'm, i think i'm wearing the same place on this one uh let's talk about lord of the rings also a trailer debuted in the super bowl we got our first look at the amazon prime series which they've spent the gnp of ghana on <laughs> um yeah, probably more than that i'm guessing actually they spent what we spend on defense in the United States of America on this series. 
I'm going to tell you, Cody, this is either going to be the best thing ever or it's going to permanently murder my inner child. It'll be gone. <laughs> it's it's going to do one or the other. Um, this is the reason why Amazon's hiking up their prices. Um, yeah, I, I'm ready for it. I'll give it a chance to break my heart. We, we're starting to see... Like it was, there's been so much mystery around it. We just really didn't know where it was going to go. Now it's pretty clear where we're going is the the origin story of Sauron. Basically, mm. you're going to get how the rings get get made. Uh, oh man! And I'm so in. I'm so in, and I just want it to be good. And I'm very very hopeful. I love Lord of the Rings. Love it. And uh, I'm just very hopeful they don't mess this up. <laughs> May the force be with us. <laughs> um, let's see. We also saw the trailer for Nope, Jordan Peele's next movie about a dangerous cloud. There's so, dangerous clouds in my house. I have four kids, but we, those are fart clouds. I feel it's an acronym. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. Are you saying that as a theory or you read that somewhere? Um, I'm going with a theory, but I read it um, from... A couple different people, and so... Nocturnal... Uh, nocturnal... Okay, you're going to have to help me out. I don't know. Um, Extraterrestrial is the last word, right? The last yes. Well, now I got to find... <laughs> well, I wasn't ready for it. it. Looks, okay, so it has all the hallmarks of Jordan Peele, what everything we've grown to love already in such a short time about Jordan Peele. Uh, all the hallmarks of his kind of uh, tense, uh, scary kind of delivery of his movies. And I'm, listen, I'm in. I'm, I'm here for it. This, it looks amazing and weird. And I think the thing that I love about Jordan Peele is it's gloriously weird. Like, he doesn't mind it being super weird. Yeah. Like, the last movie, the Us, so gloriously weird. I really loved Us. Mm -hmm. I love Us, too. Oh, you meant the okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good in theaters, and I didn't know where it was going to go. Uh, and then it just blew my mind. And now I finally thought of the person who shared the tweet, and so now I'm, I'm finally. Now you're, you're still you're still looking for it. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, we're getting ready. Uh, we'll get ready to discuss the Marvel. Uh, debuts in the Super Bowl. Moon Knight just looks fantastic. I'm so excited for Moon Knight. Moon Knight, of course, the story of a superhero who has disassociative identity disorder. And I still think Marvel's pulling a fast one. I think the, all the versions of the main character we see without the mask are one of his, not his main identity. I think his main identity will be a regular American-accented speaker. And I think what we're seeing is kind of a dodge. It's a hustle. Mm. Marvel likes to do that sort of thing. That they do. So uh, did you find what the, this person? Okay, we'll just move on. I will randomly say it in this, <laughs> but like right now my Twitter is buffering like crazy. Buffering? We're buffering. Um, let's talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this was the big one. This was the big trailer that debuted in the Super Bowl that everybody is talking about. I think I think it's not that anything in here is surprising to us. We just kind of I think everyone intrinsically knew after Spider-Man No Way Home. 
that this movie, Multiverse of Madness, was just going to be bonkers. All the cameos. This is the one that we've been waiting for basically since the end of Loki, I would say. Yeah. This is what this has all been leading to. They've clearly got a, a wildly broad and amazing story to tell. Um, there's lots of things in the trailer that it make it clear that Doctor Strange is going to appear before some like version of the Illuminati, where if you're if you're a comic book reader, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a comic book reader, the Illuminati was like this secret cabal cabal of all the smartest, um, most uh, advanced, intelligent heroes in the Marvel Universe, guys like Reed Richards, guys like uh, the Submariner, Namor is is sometimes in the Illuminati, um, Black Panther sometimes in the Illuminati, and of course, the voice we hear in the trailer of Professor X, played mm. by Patrick Stewart. The Patrick Stewart Professor Sir X. Patrick Stewart to you. Well, not to be, because I'm not British, but... I'm naming it and yeah, claiming you're it like, for him. You're like, he did not spend six years in knighthood school for you to call him Patrick. Yeah. He is Sir Patrick Stewart. I don't know the rules. Um, like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend Patrick. Pat. Sir Pat to you. I'm going to call him. Can I call you Pat? <laughs> when I When I talk to him next time, I'll ask him. I mean, he voiced someone in the video game Oblivion, so I will forever refer to him as Sir Patrick Stewart. Okay. And I did find my tweet, finally. Oh, okay. What does NOPE stand for? Okay, so Jackie Hill Perry suggested not on planet Earth, and then my dear friend Antoine Bradford, not of planet Earth. Because it definitely looks like there's some weird alien thing going on. Yeah. Those are both good guesses. Both Christian celebrities. Yes. Nice poll. Yeah. No one saw that. Those are smart. Those are good guesses. Those are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, Also in the Doctor Strange trailer, we see uh, America Chavez, another new character. We see uh, the Scarlet Witch. We see two Scarlet Witches. Which. Many Doctor Stranges. I am so here for the Scarlet Witch. Like, I've been waiting for this moment. Yeah. And um, it just looks amazing. They actually showed a lot more than I thought they ever would. The Patrick Stewart reveal alone when when that when I saw that during the Super Bowl, I was like, "Wow!" I mean, th- this is from the same people that did not put a trailer out with Toby and Andrew Garfield in it. Yeah, and everybody kind of knew that they were in it, but they refused to do it. And now they just put this reveal out there. They're like, "Oh, by the way, here's Professor X." What if this is not? even remotely close to anything significant. Well, I I don't know that it's not significant. I think what you need to be prepared for is this is not the Professor X you saw in the Sony movies. This is an alternate. All these guys are going to be alternate reality folks. Mm. So there's all kinds of rumors that there's a different Iron Man on this Illuminati, maybe played by Tom Cruise. Um, Thomas Cruise. An Iron Man that maybe succeeded in his efforts to put a suit of armor around the world and defeated Thanos and has infinity gems in his possession, like a very powerful Iron Man. So, like, there's all sorts of kind of wild rumors out there. Are infinity gems even important anymore? Yes. 
Yeah, as long as you're not in the TVA or outside of time, right? Mm, yeah. Okay. It's that the whole point, the whole reason they're paperweights to TVA is because they're not in the actual universe, right? Isn't that the yeah what the, we think? The juxtaposition of it all, yeah. Um, what else do we see? Do we see? Is there anything I'm missing? We see several versions of Doctor Strange, uh, Defender Strange, Evil Strange, uh, Zombie Strange. Um, did I read that if you had the subtitles on, one of the Stranges was Sorcerer Supreme? Well, okay, so so the subtitles revealed that the evil, the strange that says that, he, that, that we've already seen is not the what if strange. It's not um, Sorcerer Supreme strange. It just says evil strange. Or no, mm. uh, it doesn't say it's not evil. I can't remember, but it's it, it seems to indicate it's not the Doctor Strange from the what if show. Which well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It's not going to be the same, same guy, but yeah, it looks amazing. They also released a poster with like tons of Easter eggs in the poster. Cause there's like shattering glass, which seems to represent the multiverse. And in the little panes of glass, people are finding if you expand and get real close, you can see captain Carter's shield in one of them. Um, mm. Some people think there's one with Deadpool in it. So lots of cool stuff going on there. Um, let's move to more newsy news in okay. the pop culture world. Have you been following this Bob Saget thing? Um, yeah. A Florida judge has temporarily blocked the release of additional documents related to Bob Saget's death, ruling that his family has a clear legal right or interest in protecting the records. So Bob Saget's wife, Kelly Rizzo, and his three daughters filed a lawsuit against Orange County Sheriff John Mina and the District 9 Medical Examiner's Office to keep the late actor and comedian's medical records private. Um, according to court documents obtained by People, Saget's family said that the release of further details about his death last month would cause irreparable harm in the form of extreme mental pain, anguish, and emotional distress, and that no legitimate public interest would be served by the release of the records to the public. And the judge agrees. So he's temporarily blocked him. Yeah. Here, here's what's strange... This comes after TMZ or someone got a hold of some of the the coroner's reports. Mm -hmm. These coroner reports seem to confirm the cause of death was he had hit his head, which is yeah. is weird because the the reports of how Bob Saget was found was that he was lying on his back in his bed with his hands folded on his chest like he just fell asleep. Yeah. But then they found this head injury like he'd hit his head and they thought then was, oh, man, he must have had an accident and hit his head and then laid down in bed and not realized how serious it was. Well, that's fine. But then this corner report got leaked out and all of a sudden you had several people on the Internet who uh, claiming to be people who would know medical examiners saying, oh, these injuries are not conducive of an accident. This was blunt trauma to the head that was given. Somebody somebody attacked him. Oh, yeah. Several people online, and, and this is what has prompted this move by the family, which uh, the strange thing now is it's like, well, because okay, you never know. 
first of all, are these real people online? Are they really medical examiners? Or are they armchair medical examiners, right? Yeah. And if they are, I, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, we're never going to know, and maybe we shouldn't have to know, unless there's a criminal thing going here, which there doesn't appear to be. But several no. people are wondering why there's not. Yeah, I mean, if the uh, sheriff's department doesn't see fit the, to have a criminal investigation, then yeah. I'm good with not having all the details because at times I feel that we get so enamored with the cult of celebrity and personality that we we just keep feeding off of all these little details and it's our gossip that we deem okay because they're public figures and everything should be public about them yeah. kind of in our mindset but no no well, i agree with you of course and i think that this move by the family kind of proves that maybe there's nothing here yeah that what is is what is as it as it as it stands official cause of death head trauma due to an unwitnessed fall backwards that resulted in skull fractures, no drugs or alcohol involved. And even uh, at the very least, what we know is it's tragic. Yeah. Just tragic um, and sad. And he's got three children and a wife that he leaves behind. So um, at the end of the day, not important. There's just a lot going on with it, you know? Yeah. Cause like, when he first died, several people said, oh, maybe it was a heart attack. And then head trauma, and then we have stopped all records. Yeah. Um, also in the tragic department, a, the family of cinematographer Helena Hutchins has filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Alec Baldwin and other crew members of the movie Rust following her death on the New Mexico set four months ago. So we kind of wondered back when this happened where all this was going to land and where it is landing right now is the husband, Matthew Hutchins, filing a complaint on behalf of himself and their nine-year-old son, Andros, claiming Baldwin recklessly shot and killed Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust, uh, alleging that Baldwin and others responsible for the safety on set led to Hutchins' senseless and tragic death. The complaint goes on to re read that Helena deserved to live. This all comes from People magazine, by the way. The defendants had the power to prevent her death if they only held sacrosanct their duty to protect the safety of every individual on set where firearms were present instead of cutting quarters on safety procedures where human lives were at stake, rushing to stay on schedule, ignoring numerous complaints of safety violations. I think the bottom line here is we knew this was eventually going to happen. Some, someone... Was that this wasn't one of those, oh, it's just a tragic accident. Yeah. Like, I think we had enough information to know that this was going to come down to exactly what he just said in the complaint. That this did come down to whether it was because Hollywood tries to work fast and that maybe this is a problem across Hollywood. Yeah. Um, that, that, that this was bound to happen sooner or later. And I think that makes it, of course even more tragic. And again, you have all of this, of course, uh, legal things going on. And the important thing to remember is nine year old son, Andros now growing up without a mom. Yeah. Because of a movie. 
that's the thing. It's like, I love pop culture, but why are we using real guns? Is that necessary? No. And I'm, this is a huge setback for the, the family. And I'm, this is an adverse childhood experience for this kid. And it, it's a significant thing. Um, and at the end of the day, like everyone involved with this particular film, whether it ever gets completed or not, they have to live with the fact that they were a part of something that forever altered at least a family mm-hmm. and will probably alter them in some way or another. So, yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's just tragic. Um, and it's tragic that it's just tragic all the way around because you understand that even though there's a lawsuit, it's not like Alec Baldwin wanted to kill her. Like you understand that, that finding responsibility doesn't mean necessarily that these are evil people who wanted this to happen. It's just, it's just tragic. And then I think it keeps leading me back to this same place of like, man, we have all these special effects. This wizardry. I mean, we can make people on the screen that haven't been that way. I mean, from the past Mm -hmm. that look like them, sound like them, walk like them. And we don't even need the actor anymore. And you're telling me we can't figure out something where we're not using real guns with live rounds? I also wonder if, besides the nostalgia factor, um, if you're getting a little bit of machismo well right right you're you know so someone may say like if you're going this direction someone may say well it helps the actor well if the actor is so good then they don't need that no like i should be able to get you one of those uh cap guns from walmart that shoot the paper in like you get the smell yeah that's good yeah absolutely Totally agree. Um, but yeah, again, another just tragic, tragic thing. And I'm sure that um, some sort of some sort of justice will be done there. I imagine there will be a lot of money changing hands. And that young Andros, not that it gives him back anything that he's lost, but will at least have his things in his life paid for um, that he won't, that his mom would have. You know, yeah. with her work, uh, but just sad, sad all the way around. Let's talk about something that's a little bit more lighthearted. Um, something I didn't even know was going to happen. But did you know they're they're making another Fletch movie? Uh, Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm as Erwin M. Fletcher, taking on the Chevy Chase role, and. After after more than thirty years, with the Erwin Fletcher Fletch coming back to the big screen, played by John Hamm, I gotta say, I would have been unsure about most people. Chevy Chase is Chevy Chase. You know, he's one of those guys that, like, I don't know if you can you can't recreate that, but if there's someone that I think that can pull off a different version of Fletch that I would like that I'd be interested in, it might be John Hamm. I really like him. Yeah. I feel both of them are, besides 
tall individuals are, uh, they kind of have a dry delivery. Mm-hmm. And I think it works. Yeah. I'm, Chevy Chase was so dry, especially the Fletch character, mm-hmm. where the way he delivered everything, I mean, it, I can't help but think of it and just laugh right now. Even Fletch 2, Fletch Lives, which was not <laughs> great. But, like, remember he goes to jail and the guy's like, bend over. And he's like, Ben, nice to meet you, Ben. Victor Hugo. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. it just rolls out of him. And the way he can just play it straight, even though, you know, the character across from him is about to do terrible things to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just great. I always go to like his uh, dream sequence where he's a Los Angeles Laker <laughs> and they have him listed at 6'4", but with the hair 6'8". 6'8", with the afro. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's wonderful. That Those movies, uh, I loved the Fletch movies growing up, even the second one, which is not good, but does feature a wildly terrible um, megachurch televangelist guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is it's just great it's good stuff uh but they're coming back uh also john slattery who was on mad men with uh john ham also includes the cast includes marcia gay harden kyle mclaughlin um the daily shows roy wood jr i don't know who that is but yeah i'm i am hopeful about the new fletch movie I will watch it unless the reviews are all, this is trash. And then I will let someone else watch it that I trust their opinion. Um, following its December premiere, 1883 became Paramount Plus's most watched original series, even more than what it spun off of uh, Yellowstone. Take that, Yellowstone. I still need to watch the most recent episode. Totally earned, by the way. 1883 is great. Yeah. Uh, the 1883, and it's made great by the people in it. Um, I've talked a lot about how impressed I am with Tim McGraw. Faith Hill does just enough to not <laughs> bring it down. I think she's probably the weakest link on the show, but I don't think she's bad. I just think, like, she's not on screen a whole lot. She doesn't have a lot to say, which I think is probably by design. Yeah. Because she's not, it's fair to say she's not an actress. She's not, she hasn't been a lot of things. Um, but Sam Elliott being in this show, I mean, Cody, he delivered this soliloquy. Basically, it's a soliloquy. He's talking to the main character, um, Elsa, who is the daughter uh, of the two we just mentioned. Cody, Sam Elliott is a national treasure. And should be protected at all costs. The look on his face can bring me to tears. Like he can convey emotion with just the, 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 what he's doing with his face and with his, his body. And there's like, I'm, I am almost certain that I could be dying. But if Sam Elliott was there whispering in my ear, I would make a peaceful transition (laughs) to see Jesus. Like Sam Elliott's amazing. Um, He definitely uh, steals any screen time that he's he's in, like he he takes the focus from everyone else that's in it. Although the guy that plays Thomas, uh, La Monica Garrett, he does a great job uh, being the second in command underneath. Uh, yeah, Sam he's also very good. Yeah, I, they've done a really good job with that show, 
And as ridiculous as Yellowstone has gotten, where the characters have kind of been come caricatures, yes. this show, um, maybe it's because it's grounded in the Old West. Like, they can't really get into the situations that the Duttons get into in present-day Yellowstone. <laughs> um but maybe it's because it's grounded in the in the time period. But it's just I think it's a wonderful show driven by these wonderful acting performances in it. And it got picked up for a next season. And the reason I tell you that is because something else got picked up for a brand new order. Another spinoff of Yellowstone. This one titled 1932. Now, let me tell you why I'm not as excited for this. <laughs> You're not here for a Great Depression ranch story? I mean, I think you're missing the point of why 1883 is good, Paramount Plus. I think you're missing that it's not because it's this offshoot of Yellowstone. Like, I think this show stands on its own. These characters, I don't even care if their last name is Dutton. Yeah. I'm, I don't care about Yellowstone as it's connected to this. I'm sold on this story, and I just feel like maybe 1932 is not going to be nearly as good. Like, I'm going to give it a chance. Oh, of course I will. They've earned that. They've earned that. I think Yellowstone was good for the first couple seasons especially, and then it's gotten kind of out of hand in my opinion. But 1883 has been beyond my wildest expectations. I think it's an excellent show. Yes, I I I thoroughly enjoy 1883 and look forward to its continuation. Um, in other news, uh, Cody's favorite actor, John Cena. John Cena? John Cena. John Cena. Peacemaker got picked up for a season two. Yes. And it's almost to the point where all the episodes have come out because I've decided what I'm going to do is binge it. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it. So week at a time. when we are recording this, we are just maybe six hours away from it dropping the last episode. Okay, it's coming out as we're recording. It's coming out tomorrow morning. Yeah. All right. And Cody is. Cody's hype. I am tempted to stay up till 2 a.m. our time to watch it. Cody is our resident DC Comics honk. He <laughs> goes to bat for DC. That's his realm. I'm okay with DC. I don't I don't not want to see DC stuff, but I'm just not as into it as, as I am Marvel. And that comes from me being very young. I liked Marvel Comics more growing up. Batman came out the year I was born. Right. So. And it's a lot of that usually is up to time timing. Yes. And we're going to find that out later when we talk about our sports movies. But yeah. Um, but uh, the reason I bring up John Cena is he's man. He's getting, he's blowing up landed a major role in an upcoming Warner brothers, Looney tunes project, a movie coyote versus Acme. Okay. <laughs> he is not playing either Wiley Coyote or the Roadrunner. Instead, Cena will portray a high powered lawyer a la Space Jam in the hybrid live action animated feature. Huh? I'll watch it. Oh, he could pull it off. Yeah. Uh, he's perfect for that sort of thing. I'm not going to lie. He actually did pretty good in Fast and Furious 9. I didn't want to watch Fast and Furious 9 because I'm anti-Fast and Furious, but he did great in it. He did great in Suicide Squad. He is killing it in Peacemaker. 
he because he was a wrestler. What you want to be like is no, come on. It's, yeah. he's, it's a flash in the pan. No, I don't they think we're past that. He's real. He's funny. He's got charisma. Uh, as long, and he's going to have a long career. He's he's just fun to watch in a, in a lot of ways. And I think it's a testament to the pro wrestling thing gig because now you've got The Rock and John Cena out here being successful, and it just goes to show you that hey, that's not an accident. They were both wildly popular in the WWE, and that's because WWE is a drama. It's an unfolding. Jo- you have to act. Like yes. and the ones who are popular, the ones who can grab onto those personas and really live them out on on camera. Vacation Friends was also funny. Yes. Oh man, totally vulgar though. Yeah. <laughs> I do not recommend you watch it, <laughs> but it was funny. Uh, all right, that's all the news we have. It's time for us to go out into the lobby, Cody. We're heading for the lobby to answer listener questions. It's our new segment here on Pop Culture Pastor. We'll meet you out in the lobby in just a second. getting our popcorn nachos i'm a big nachos guy we come out to the lobby to get ourselves a snack and to answer your listener questions that's what we do here let's start off with this one scott patrick Dillon, who's asked us a question every week he's been very consistent thank you thank you scott you're a true and loyal listener and occasional guest host Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Scott Patrick Dillon. We love you, buddy. Uh, he asks, what is your dream vehicle from pop culture, sci-fi, etc., whatever? Your dream vehicle. Mm, kit. I mean, kit is the obvious answer, right? Otherwise. I'm, 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 I'm tempted to say the DeLorean, though. Yeah. 1.21 gigawatts. I also would go with, oh. We were in Wichita, and I saw someone driving an old DeLorean. It's just like those old school DeLoreans. I was like, wow, that's awesome. If he was dressed up as Doc Brown, it'd be even more amazing, but he wasn't. So I guess you could get Bumblebee from the Transformers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another good selection. Um, Sentient vehicle. But Kit was sentient. Yeah, if I... Could not get a sentient vehicle. It would be uh, Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari. If I have Kit, does it come with the voice of the dude from... Mr. Uh, Feeney. Mr. Feeney, yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's what made Kit. Michael. Michael. <laughs> Why are you calling me Michael? My name's Dave. Get it right, man. Come on, Mr. Feeney. You got to roll with this. Turbo boost. Yeah. yeah. Kit. Kit has to be it. Does it come with the semi that Kit rides around in the back of <laughs> and then comes out the back when you, when you really need him? Because that would be awesome, too. Yeah. He's bulletproof. Um, you know what else is bulletproof? 
Walker Texas Rangers truck. Is it really? Um, in the later seasons, like everyone <laughs> and their mom is shooting Uzis at it in rocket launchers and not a single scratch. If I had a nickel, every time someone was firing an Uzi at Chuck Norris. Oh, man. Yeah, I think that's our answer. I think Kit yeah. is definitely uh, the way we got to go with this. And, and there's really no discussion to be had. But, I mean, do we? can we go with like, um, you know, Slave One or whatever it's called now? Can we go with spaceships? Um, that seems weird. Yeah. With the Millennium Falcon? Like. Would you rather have Slave One or the Millennium Falcon? Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, maybe the TARDIS if now we're including space and time travel, then mm, yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that. Uh, no, not the family truckster from National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I kinda always wanted the family truckster. Looked like a tank. The <laughs> the partridge family bus. The wood paneling. <laughs> I think we had a couple station wagons like that. <laughs> never did. Uh, the next question comes to us from Kyle Kessinger okay. up there in Lawrence. Uh, he says, this question goes back to podcast episode one. Long time listener. listener. Yeah, we're going back in time. And he says, it's actually to the very first thing that was said on episode one. Dave compared the new podcast to Star Trek six, the undiscovered country <laughs> to which Cody said, never seen it. Yes. Star Trek and pop culture go hand in hand, Kyle says. Typically. Will Star Trek get Star Trek get any love on your podcast? And most importantly, will Cody watch any of it? FYI, there are over 800 episodes, 13 motion pictures across the Star Trek universe. Cody, okay. will you will you uh like would you like to watch catch up on some Star Trek? I have seen two of the movies. Oh, which for two? sure. Which two? Um Star Trek 2009. What, no, what's that? Oh, the one with the new cast? Yeah. Trash. And then Star <laughs> Trek into Darkness. Yo, so you've only seen <laughs> the you've only seen the two new ones? Two of the three. I didn't watch the third oh, one. Oh, there was a third one. Yeah. The third one was actually better than the second one. Oh, I would hope. The second one left a bitter taste in my mouth. How could it leave a bitter taste in your mouth? You were new to the subject. I'm not new to the subject. I know Star Trek. Yeah, but you've never seen Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. I'm just saying Star Trek. Oh, like we've, we've got to go back and watch the originals. There are people that love Star Trek and hate Star Wars. There are people that love Star Wars and don't care that much about Star Trek. And I fall into the second category. I will stick up for you in this regard. See, Kyle, I know Kyle and he's only a couple years younger than me. And the problem with Cody is, is when he grows up, it's this weird time frame where Star Trek, the next generation, the TV show is done. Mm -hmm. They're making some movies, but those movies, you would not be into those Star Trek next generation movies unless you watched the series. I think it's fair to say yeah. that. And I grew up in a household that was not very sci-fi-y. And so like, Anything science fiction, it's all my own seeking out. Yeah, yeah. So he, he grows up in that weird limbo of Star Trek. So, yeah, so I'm growing up, like I can remember sneaking uh, out of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock 
and sneaking into Gremlins. Because <laughs> I think Gremlins was rated R, maybe. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I, I just remember that my grandma dropped me off to watch while she shopped in the mall. It was in the when the theaters were in the mall. And she dropped me off. And don't get all upset. That's We did that in the 80s. People did that all the time. We left kids alone all the time. <laughs> yes. And uh, I was supposed to be watching Star Trek 3 Search for Spock, which I kind of wanted to see, but I wanted to see Gremlins more. And I think that was the right choice, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I was scared, scared the pants off me. But now I will say the the cast of Star Trek Next Generation, great. Mm. Uh, I, I've seen a handful of episodes, like, but I can't say that I've watched the whole season or the whole series. Mm. Um, now I have seen several like Star Trek esque shows because Nickelodeon when I was growing up had. Uh, a show called Space Cases. It was kind of like Star Trek, but it was like a kid's version. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. The hard part about going back to rewatch Star Trek to Next Generation, the TV series now, would be that TV was made in a different way. So if you're used to TV now, where they only, so everything's streaming, and if they have enough for eight episodes, they make eight episodes. If they have enough for 12 episodes, they make 12 episodes. There's no, there's not as much fat to trim. Mm -hmm. Whereas Star Trek The Next Generation, you'd have a season of like 20, 22 episodes or whatever. And there was a, the way TV worked back then is there was a running story going on. But there was many of these what we call freak of the week episodes, <laughs> which is a, a term that came, became popular from the TV show Smallville. Yes. Where there's a there's a story about young Clark Kent going on and his his lovelorn uh, life crushing over Lana Lang. But most weeks there were these standalone stories where he's having to deal with this problem. And Star Trek The Next Generation, I recently tried to go back and watch it. It's kind of the same way, especially in the first couple seasons. You're just getting these like singular episodes with singular problems. And that's not really the way we like our TV today. Mm. Think about when they do that with Marvel. People get hot. People get mad. Yeah. Well, what does that have to do with the larger story? You know? And yeah. so it's 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 like you have to appreciate that to go back and watch it. Yeah. Which I'm I watch Titans on HBO Max and they kind of do that formula. Freak of the week. Yeah. yeah. And while trying to play out a larger Titan story by the end of it. Um, but so I, I may have to give the next generation a, a run through or at least a start. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to give it a shot. We'll, we'll try and give yes. it a shot. I would definitely recommend anybody going back and trying to watch the original Star Trek movies. So Star Trek, the motion picture, Star Trek Two: the wrath of Khan, which is a great science fiction movie. Uh, Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Star Trek Four, which is an underrated classic, The Voyage Home. Um, that's the one with the humpback whales. They travel back in time to the 1980s and has some great, there's some great scenes in that movie. Um, Star Trek Five, The Final Frontier. That <laughs> is a Star Trek movie. I that know that. One must have been pretty forgettable because i do not remember exactly the final Frontier. the final frontier yeah and then star trek six the undiscovered country which i also enjoy okay. and then it gets into the the next generation era 
of movies. But yeah, I think they're they're definitely still watchable. And Star Trek, um, I've talked about this before. It's a more cerebral science fiction yeah. uh, viewing than Star Wars. It's a lot more political. There's politics. You're dealing more with how we how we relate to each other, but on in the, the context of humans and aliens, right? Yes. Um, and it gets much more into that that sort of thing, which so is interesting. I, I apologize. You don't have to apologize. But it's okay. I'll defend you. I, it's He probably doesn't know that you're younger than me. By a few moons. Yeah. Just a few. All right. When we get back, we'll we're gonna take another little break here. When we get bra- back, we go move on to our main subject. In honor of the Olympics, who's on our sports movie medal stand? Yeah. The bronze medal, the silver medal, the gold medal, the, our favorite sports movies of all time coming up. All right, welcome back, Pop Culture Pastor Podcast. It's time for our version of the Olympics. Hit the music. I don't know if we're going to have any music. That's up to that's, that's up to our producer, Matt. Yeah. Matt's a good dude, and if he does it, he can. This is the part where... His music will be much better. I hope. <laughs> One can only hope. Please stop making those noises. All right. We need to talk about our favorite sports movies of all time. Um, but in order to get there, I imagine your list was long as mine was, too. This was the yes. hardest thing. I to pick three, and I really had to go my favorites. Um, so let me just go over some of the honorable mentions I have. Okay. That didn't make my medal stand, but are still worth mentioning. Um, Rudy is a fantastic movie. In fact, I would venture to say that Rudy probably makes my medal stand if in the years since the making of that movie, we didn't find out that most of this quote unquote true story was not in fact as true as they said. I believe every single bit of it happened. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care what Joe Montana says or thinks. You listen here, Joe. Um, it wasn't just Joe. Several people on the team were like, yeah, that didn't happen. But it doesn't change what happened. What happened was the, the crux of the story is essentially true, and that is that Rudy Rudiger, a young guy who was really small, um, had no athletic talent, hangs on with the best college football team in the country for a couple years and makes the field on the last play of the game. And it has this just, just overarching message that none of our dreams are out of reach. Um, none of our dreams are out of reach that you can make things happen as, as Walter Sobchak quotes, Theodore Herzl in the big Lebowski. If you will, it, it is no dream. <laughs> that was a quote that was quoting some other quote. Yes. Um, but the theme of that movie is that you can will your dreams to come true. And then the best part about that movie is the realization that it wasn't about the dream being realized at all. It was about that you, the, what you acquired along the way, in a sense. 
that you could that you're capable of doing these things. Rudy Rudiger had so much confidence and learned so much on the way that he got uh, um, convicted of frauds, frauds, insecurities, fraud in 2011. Oh, poor Rudy. Yeah, you know, the story is not glorious. Slash his movie evidently is fraud. The luster has worn off the shine of the movie over the years, thanks to the real life actions of Rudy. However, Sean Astin's wonderful in that movie. It prepared him to help deliver a ring. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions uh, yourself? Is that your only honorable mention? No, or? I have I have a whole bunch more that fall into a specific category. You want me to go ahead and go go into that? Sure, why not? Oh yeah, we got plenty of time. Um, so in order to narrow this down, I had to decide because there's tons of sports movies that I call sports movies that I love dearly love and so to get to a top three was very hard but then so i decided to say okay i'm only going to consider them if i believe they're truly a movie about sports yeah okay so i disqualified the sandlot because i believe that it's not really a sports movie that it's a movie about childhood friendships okay which you know um i don't care this is just how i had to do it to, to narrow this down. I wouldn't argue against anybody that said it was a sports movie because there's a lot of sports in it. A lot of baseball. A ton of baseball. A lot of kissing Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Field of Dreams is one of my favorite movies of all time that I've talked about on this podcast before. I've I decided that it's I can't classify it as a sports movie. It's a movie about fathers and sons. Okay. Uh, when We Were Kings that I just talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, a wonderful documentary about the rumble in the jungle. It literally is about a sporting event. Mm -hmm. But if you watch it, you understand that this movie is not about the rumble in the jungle. It's about the indomitable spirit of Muhammad Ali. That there's there's scenes in this where he's jogging across the uh, the African countryside and kids are following behind him running. And they're chanting, Ali, Bumaye. It's just, and he's talking to them in that way that Ali would talk, you know, kind of this braggadocious, there's this charisma about him that just few people can equal. And you understand that this is a movie that is, it's a wonderful movie about this event, but it's, it's about Muhammad Ali. And I love it. I love everything about it. Uh, Caddyshack is a stoner comedy that takes place in and around a golf course. Big Lebowski um, happens a lot in and around a bowling alley. Happy Gilmore, an absurdist comedy about the lengths we go to for love. I've decided that that's what that movie's about. Um, Happy Gilmore does the whole, he plays a sport he doesn't want to, but he's good at for the love of his grandmother. Shooter McGavin even is motivated by his love of what he thinks the game should be, right? The mm. bad guy. That's a movie about how the lengths we go to for love. Jerry Maguire, I had to disqualify. Show me the money. Because even though the whole movie takes place around sports and being a sports agent, uh, Jerry Maguire is a commentary of the loss of the innocence of sports, the love of the game. Like that's the, the, the as, it, as it's being told across that, this romantic story between Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger, um, the backdrop of this story is this idea that uh, 
he's also saying that sports has changed into something about greed and capitalistic everything wrong with capitalism right yeah yeah um and of course something a movie we've seen very recently american underdog which i loved yeah i love american underdog and it's the story of kurt warner a hall of fame quarterback but i i dare anyone to see that movie and to say that that movie is about football because it's not it's about our destiny and who god made us to be that's what that movie's about. In fact, he essentially says that when he proposes to his soon-to-be wife. He says, I thought I was made to be a football player, but I'm actually made to be a husband and a father. And if the football thing never happens, then it never happens. It's a good list. Yeah. And that's that's my list of movies I had to I had to draw a line, say, I love all those movies. Oh, I love them. Uh, but they're not in my top three sports movies. That's a good list. So I didn't have like the reason of yeah. I mean, this isn't not a sports movie. It was just these the my top three either moved me so much that I had to include it, yeah, or dis- a disclaimer. We don't consult. I don't tell Cody how to frame this. Yeah. I was like, I let him, I was like, hey, pick your top three sports movies, use whatever criteria you would like. And also, like, rewatchability is something that was Mm. big on my list. Absolutely. And I will say The Big Lebowski did not make my list because I forgot that bowling was even in it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know they're always at the bowling alley, but like it didn't dawn on me to, oh, yeah, that's a bowling movie. <laughs> I could have listed Kingpin too, but um, I'm getting bowling. Donnie who loved bowling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for my honorable mentions, any of the Mighty Ducks movies? Oh, man. Yeah. I, what is it about those movies about... Um, let's see. Uh, what do we, we just, we just had to talk about this because of the Super Bowl halftime show. And we didn't talk about this on the pod, but we argued about who gets to claim it. Yeah. And I've come to the realization it is, um, Xennials, uh, older millennials well, and younger yeah. Gen Xers. Yes. Who really share this. And the ducks are part of that too, I think. Oh yeah. There's uh, just something about those movies. You know, those aren't quality movies when, you, um, when you're watching them. You're like, this is not quality filmmaking it is the best of the best <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about it man that we just we fell in love with uh a movie that definitely made the top five but did not make my top three remembered the titans mm, yeah i thought long and hard about that one denzel single-handedly should have like gotten all the oscars it's the oh, man it's such a good movie but it's very Bruckheimery. It is. That's who does it. And and I decided, I just, I, it was close to being included. But at the end of the day, I was like, it's more than a movie about sports. Again, it's it's. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to make a, a cut. Caddyshack was on my list as well. American Underdog, uh, The Water Boy. I go a different oh, yeah. Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Uh, the great thing about both of those though, The Water Boy and Happy Gilmore is Sandler's style back then, the yes. absurdist nature of it um, was just fun. And it was absurd. Like, you knew this couldn't really happen in sports, but you wanted it to. Yes. 
Space Jam, Space Jam Legacy. That's, Are you serious? That's the LeBron one. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good enough for me to watch. I haven't watched like. It. I, I'm not going to say it's an all-time great movie, but it's good for a family to watch. I mean, there's a little part of me that if I watch it, I'm giving a tacit agreement to LeBron being on the same level as Jordan, and I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm being stubborn. The, the record books would say you should just go for it by now. <laughs> and then my last movie, which I had forgot about when I was making my list and like remembered it while you were talking, Simon Birch. It, so I'm I'm looking at I've cocked my head to the side like a dog. Yes. What's the sport? Baseball. Cause that's how Ashley Judd meets her demise. Oh my goodness. I can't I forgot about that. I blacked that out. Thanks. Um now it, I'm reliving it. One of the most heartbreaking scenes in cinema history, maybe. Oh man. Simon <laughs> Although I would say it's not a sports movie, but there is a sport and it does take a a decent chunk of the movie. Yeah. It, you could also say it's a nativity movie because they also. Wow. Go on. Because he plays the baby Jesus. Yeah. All right. And there's a chunk of the movie that's around that. And so, I mean, is there some Christ imagery hanging around? Yes. There? Yeah. So I, I have a movie um, that I'm going to talk about later. It has some spiritual stuff going on in it that you may not have known, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. No. Um, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. What's your bronze medal winning sports movie? Okay. And this one, it's way out in left field. It's a baseball movie. Um, Hardball. Hardball. From 2001. 2001, yeah. A one Keanu Reeves <sighs> and a really young Michael B. Jordan is in it. This is, I did not expect this one. Hardball. Yes. Connor, Keanu Reeves, is a ticket scalper, gambler, and now Little League coach for a ragtag team of kids. In one of the toughest parts of Chicago, he's no role model, but his buddy Jimmy won't help him pay off his gambling debts unless Connor coaches Jimmy's corporately sponsored team. Surprising even himself, Connor becomes attached to his players and to their attractive school teacher, played by Diane Lane, and drawn into their tough and sometimes tragic lives. Directed by Brian Robbins, Keanu Reeves, Diane Lane, John Hawks, D.B. Sweeney, also in this movie, made $44 million at the box office. Yes. I remember this movie, but it's been a while. Um, so I watched this one of my first times at youth group. So there was a movie night, and this was the movie that they showed. This what what is this rated? I, it, it, there's definitely language. I have severe in it. misgivings about your youth pastor. <laughs> <in the time. laughs> there wasn't a youth <laughs> pastor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, and this guy wasn't getting the job. <laughs> we watched Hardball. <laughs> uh, so, and I mean, thirteen kids watching a movie with a parental figure. So, I don't know about your teens when you were around, but my teens, some of my teens, their parents don't let them watch Disney movies. <laughs> well, different times, different places. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So sure, sure. this movie, like, 
Keanu, this is where I'm like, okay, he can really act. And there was a deeper story being told, uh, especially about inner city life. And you fall in love with everyone on the baseball team, especially G-Baby. And then there's a tragic death at the end. Oh, and I remember that. Yep. Tears may or may not have flown for a young Cody. <laughs> so I, I'm going with that as number three. All right. That's a good pick. Keanu Reeves. Man, when we're like all senior citizens, are we gonna are we looking back as Keanu Reeves as like the Marlon Brando of our time? Just a guy who was like timeless. Maybe. Is he bigger than is he better than Brando? Probably better. Better than Brando at the end. Well, that's for sure. That was rough. Um <laughs> my bronze medal winning movie. And uh, especially relevant, it could not be more fitting that we're, for, we're putting this all in the structure of the Olympics uh, because my bronze medal winning movie is Miracle. When college coach Herb Brooks, played by Kurt Russell, is hired to helm the 1980 United States men's Olympic hockey team, he brings a unique and brash style to the ice after assembling a team of hot-headed college all-stars who are humiliated in an early match, Brooks unites his squad against a common foe, the heavily favored Soviet team. As the U.S. squad tries to overcome insurmountable odds and win the gold medal, the team becomes a microcosm for American patriotism during the Cold War. This movie came out in 2004, made $64 million at the box office. I would have thought it made more. I would have guessed so, too. Now, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but when they beat the Russians, that's not the gold medal game. No, it's the, it's actually the semifinal game. Yeah. They had to go play uh, Finland after that. But it was such a, you, I mean, you just have to understand where, oh, man, uh, the Russians were just dominant. Just nobody was going to beat the Russians in hockey. This is honestly, the movie's called Miracle, and it absolutely earns that title. They call this the Miracle on Ice. Yes. The sporting event is commonly referred to because there's just no reason these college kids, these weren't pro players. They were college kids. And there's just no way on earth they were supposed to beat the mighty Russians. And it mm. was it was huge. I mean, it's hard to quantify. It's absolutely the biggest upset in sports history. There's nothing bigger. Um, and it's it's amazing. And the movie captures that pretty well. There, there's some deep themes going on here that I loved in Miracle. Things I loved about Miracle. This idea that the most talented doesn't the talent doesn't always win. That you can win, that your heroes are not always the amazing, flashy individuals. Like, I grew up and Michael Jordan was my hero. And Michael Jordan was the best player in the NBA. Maybe the best player of all time that you can say arguably. That's not what you get here. These dudes are all college stars. But one of the things I love about the end of this movie is they go through all the credits and they tell you where all these guys are. And they're all working class, like they've all gone to these normal Joe jobs, most of them. A couple of them dabbled, hang on in professional hockey for a few years. None of them were Wayne Gretzky. No. 
And it's wonderful. It's wonderful that these guys are a part of one of the greatest moments in sports history. And none of them are Michael Jordan, right? Like that's the best part. Even the ducks had Adam banks, right? Yeah. Who was a great hockey player. Uh, but in this, you see all these guys who are never going to be all-star hockey players are united into this one moment where they're, they're, they're not the most talented people on the floor, but it shows the power of teamwork and the power of unity. And um, Herb Brooks, the other thing, one of the other things I love about this film is the portrayal of Herb Brooks as Kurt Russell, who gives maybe this is like the ultimate parent parable, right? So Herb Brooks is is portrayed as exactly as what you've if you know anything about this team as he's remembered, which is he was very aloof, very brutal to these guys. Very these guys, I mean, the movie shows it great. The unity, because they start off, they're all from these colleges that are rivals. And so they start off, there's a lot of fighting and friction, and eventually they pull together in a way that's unbelievable. But only because they hate Herb Brooks more than they hate each other. <laughs> and it's all by design. And you find out by the end of it that it's this 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 whole story's a parable on why the best dads are the ones who said, I'm going to be a good dad, not my kid's best friend. Mm. Because it's not that Herb Brooks didn't love these guys. And it shows that after they beat, they, they win this big game against the Russians. They, they show this in the movie so well. He goes, he won't, he doesn't go out and celebrate with the team. He goes down into the bowels of the stadium by himself and he just is overcome with emotion and he just sits and cries and sobs. And you can see like that's the moment that he let out everything, all this emotion he wanted to let out around them and, and, and had to be something else to make this happen. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. And um, it's legendary. It's a miracle. It's a miracle on ice. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Now, let me tell you something. I'm so glad they used the the actual play-by-play -by, -play by Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? Like, it's just the feeling you get. I mean, I was four when, when that game gets yeah. played. But I remember that. I remember how big that was and even though i didn't understand it i just knew intrinsically how big it was okay and i love that movie yeah love it. it's not a perfect movie by any stretch but it's one of my three favorites it was on my list of consideration but yeah. it did not make my list of honorable mentions but i also wasn't alive yeah, yeah, yeah. During yeah. that time, um, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put you down for any of your choices. What's your, uh, what's your silver medalist? Okay, so number two, mm -hmm. again, I'm sticking with baseball. I, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. It's so weird because, like, out of the major sports, baseball is not my favorite, and it's probably my least favorite, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, uh, I mean, I do enjoy baseball, but it's not. I, I'd rather watch football and basketball. I, I share that, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, too. Uh, the Sandlot, which y you had on your honorable mentions, but you had to cut it. Yeah. It, it is a coming-of-age story. It takes mm -hmm. place over uh, the summer of 1962, and it has quite the... 
uh, list of characters in it. And, uh, of course, you have Smalls, who uh, has... Like, he just moves to the neighborhood, and he's having a rough go making friends, and baseball's the way to do it. And then he has to go get a baseball because they have hit their last one over the fence. He's got all this pressure on him. Tons right? of pressure. I identified with this because he's from a broken home. He is. He's, 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 so his mom's remarried. He's got a new dad that he's still very awkward. Dennis Leary. But you can tell that his character has had not had a father influence because he does, he's missing the manly stuff, right? Yeah. So he's not a baseball player. Not at he's all. He's not into sports, really. He's the new kid in the neighborhood. Has the goofiest looking hat out of the bunch. Yeah. I identified with Smalls so much. Um, but yeah, they get themselves in a pickle. Oh, yeah. Because Smalls takes stepdad's baseball that's in a case and then... <laughs> Signed by the babe. Yes. The Sultan of Swat. <laughs> the Colossus of Clout. <laughs> and they, of course, hit it over the fence. And on the other side of the fence is a gigantic dog mm-hmm. owned by a one James Earl Jones. Yeah. Who happens to be blind in this movie. Took a fastball upside the noggin. But in true James Earl Jones fashion absolutely steals the movie in like two minutes of screen time quite literally wonderful Uh, i mean i probably relate the most to benny rodriguez yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean just just being the neighborhood uh (laughs) athlete that everyone adores (laughs) surefire professional player yeah Yeah, i could see it exactly (laughs) you're an idiot (laughs) um but yeah, so I mean, it's a fun movie. I've watched it probably a hundred times. It was on all the time when I was growing up. And although you can make the case it's a coming of age movie, I'm going to make a case it's a sports movie. It takes place around baseball. Mm. I was an only child. And so my favorite movie of all time is Goonies. And I'll sit here and tell you it's not a perfect movie. It's not because it's such a great movie. But it hits me in the heart because I moved around a lot and I more than anything else wanted to grow up with the group, same group of friends like that appealed to me on such a level. And I think Sandlot would have been my movie if I was younger, if I was your age. Mm. But by the time this comes out, I'm 16, 17 years old and I'm above it. You know, I'm above it, even though I liked it. I'm kind of above it. Uh, but yeah, this is a great movie. Only a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's weird. Some, some critics were born without a soul. Evidently. <laughs> and only made 34.3 million on the box office. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would not have guessed it to be a huge like box office hit. It's yeah. become like a, mm-hmm. a cult classic for a Older millennial, younger millennial generation. So the weird thing about um, where it lands here, 1993 is right before the DVD boom. Mm-hmm. A couple of years before the DVD boom. And that's when a lot of these movies that didn't do well at the box office, uh, they're able to get seen more and more and they become cult classics. And this is one of them. Yeah. Love this movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Great, great movie. Uh, wonderful soundtrack in that movie. Mm-hmm. Often overlooked, but wonderful soundtrack. Yes. I cannot hear 
the Ray Charles version of America without thinking of this movie. Just great. Great pick. Great pick. And I'm sad that I had to knock it off my list, but I'm glad you picked it. Um, My silver medal winning sports movie. My second favorite sports movie. I'm also going to go to baseball, which is strange because I'm like you. Baseball is a distant third behind basketball and football for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not super into baseball growing up. But what I recognize about baseball is what this movie portrays so well. And my movie is The Natural, starring Robert Redford. Uh, The Natural came out in 1984. On the way to a tryout with the Chicago Cubs, young baseball phenom Roy Hobbs is shot by the unstable Harriet Byrd. After 16 years, Hobbs returns to pro baseball as a rookie for the last place New York Knights, Despite arguments with his manager, Pop Fisher, played by Wilfred Brimley, Hobbs becomes one of the best players in the league, and the Knights start winning, but this upsets the judge, their owner, who wants Hobbs to lose games, not win. Um, You're telling me the diabetes guy? That's right. And Wilfred Brimley is awesome in this movie. He's so lovable as kind of like the cantankerous, grumpy manager (laughs) who you know has got the heart of gold. Like, that's the best part about, I mean, he's perfect, perfect. The, the role Wilford Brimley was born to play, get out of here with our house. Yeah. Don't come in here with that noise or the Quaker oatmeal guy. <laughs> he was born to play uh, manager Pop Fisher in the 1984 movie, The Natural. What I love about The Natural is it, so it takes place in a time, um, I think you're supposed to understand it takes place back in like the 20s. The 1920s, 1930s, and it depicts a time in baseball that's ruled by guys like Babe Ruth and and, and who who kind of appears in the movie early on where uh, our young Robert Redford, our young Roy Hobbs gets the better of him as a pitcher. Outside, there's like a dare that happens, and and, and the guy in the movie is the wizard or something like that. They, they don't use, the you know, the, all the nicknames, but he's clearly a Babe-like yeah. guy he's got women around him he's large you know and he's smoking cigars and he's an established obvious star of baseball but what i love about this movie is it really plays on the mysticism of baseball and and in particular the level of grandeur it had in american culture like when you're watching this movie baseball's not just a sport baseball is Everything that James Earl Jones explains to you in Field of Dreams in that speech. Yeah. How America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers, but baseball has marked the time. That there's something about baseball as the American sport. And even as a kid who wasn't that interested in baseball, I understood that about baseball for movies like this that pay it such a grand respect. And this movie's wonderful because there's a spiritual aspect to this movie that, that you may not be aware of because Roy Hobbs. So the movie starts off. He's from Iowa or somewhere. He's from a rural area. He has a high school sweetheart, but he's a baseball phenom. He's destined for greatness. His dad dies of a heart attack when he's young and he goes off as an 18 year old to go follow his dream. And he ends up getting seduced basically by this psychotic woman. 
who shoots him on the way to his what is going to be his tryout, him making it, mm. and is just gone. He's off the map for like 16 years or something, comes back as a veteran player. And this and the undertone to this movie, the, the parable of this movie, if you will, is God-given gifts versus earthly desires. What do we do with our God-given gifts? Do we do we use it in the way they're meant to be used, or do we use it to fuel and get our earthly desires? And the young Roy Hobbs falls victim, maybe unfairly. Like he's 18, he's not wise. And he gets locked up with this just unimaginable scenario where he sh gets shot and it takes away something from him. But what I love about this movie is it also says it's never too late, that he made this mistake, he's paid dearly for it, and then he comes back to the league. He gets to the league finally as an old man, an old rookie. And, the, and the half the movie is spent for him trying to convince this manager that he can play. And when it happens, when he finally gets in the game, because the manager's not even putting him in games and he, and he hits a home run, your heart sails. Like, you're just like, it's, it's everything about a second chance that makes your heart just fly. When someone gets that redemption shot and they take hold of it, it's just a wonderful movie. And it's all played with this, the majesty of baseball backdrop. And, and, and there's just moments in this movie that are absolute guaranteed uh, um, goosebump moments on your arms. Does it every time when I watch it. Wonderful movie. Wonderful. Like you talking about that movie has like spurred like three baseball movies that I completely <laughs> forgot about. There's so many sports movies. That's That was the difficult part about this one mm. is like the mood I'm in right now, the three I came up with, yeah, they're great. But tomorrow it might be something else. Yeah, well, right. And and I just had to go with um, these, Miracle, The Natural, and my what's going to be my favorite movie. I, I basically based it on the feeling they gave me. Yeah. And um, it's not that these other movies didn't give me feelings. Field of Dreams makes me cry at the end every time. But it's not because of the sports. It's because of the father-son moment, yeah. which we, you know, I have uh, that. That's that's all. There's a, there's I have scars there in that department. So mm. it plays to me in that way. It's not a sports movie to me. Uh, when we were kings, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful look at a at a real guy who happened to be an athlete. Um, but yeah, these were the movies that made me feel this way, and and in the sporting part, yeah. So the natural is my silver medalists. It's time to go to our gold medals. Okay. Where where are we going with your gold medal winner? So this gold medal winner like negated all their other sports movies. And um I went with Rocky Four. Rocky so, Four Sylvester Stallone uh negated Rocky one through three and Champion of the Cold War. Over the top also got negated oh. because of Rocky Four. Uh, over the top's a terribly corny movie, <laughs> but it, it's so fun to watch. It is, um, but yes, Rocky Four, uh, probably the sports movie I've watched the most, 
It's between that and Rocky one. Yeah. I've watched Rocky four a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, yeah, Rocky four, uh, Rocky is, is fighting and he's planning on retiring. And then gosh, darn it. Apollo Creed gets into a fight and uh, And dies. And whose fault is that Cody? It's, it's Rocky's I, fault. It is. He doesn't throw the towel. The I kid, yell Apollo's at him. Apollo's manager's like, throw the towel. Throw the towel. <laughs> I yell at Rocky every time. Throw the towel. Oh, yes. So look, and Rocky's got that blank look on his face that he's so good at. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Like, he should have thrown the towel. Apollo Creed dies because of Rocky. Rocky feels bad. And there's this behemoth of a man, Ivan Drago, a.k.a. Dolph Lundgren, who is an MIT grad. Did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smart dude. Smart <laughs> super dude. smart dude. The Dolph. Yeah. And uh, super buff. Like, mm. I wouldn't want to fight him. Evidently hospitalized Sylvester Stallone in the making of this movie. That is true. Yeah. And that makes this movie even better in my book. Because take that, Sylvester. You should have thrown in the towel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But at the end of the day, um, my patriotic side wins out like Rocky wins because he takes down the Russian and avenges his friend's death. Gives, delivers maybe one of the best speeches in a sports movie ever. Yes. I've been noticing that a lot of you started to change. And if I'm thinking if I can change and you can change, maybe everybody can change. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But this this movie made $300 million in 1985. I feel like if I would have been alive in 1985, this movie would have made like $300 million in $20. (laughs) 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Um, that's probably about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of things wrong with it. But I can tell you, young Dave shadow boxed his way out of the theater on yes. this one. Um, wh- what a great movie. Um, I'm looking through some headlines here. Dolph Lundgren doesn't remember hop- hospitalizing Stallone at Rocky Four. I would block it out, too. <laughs> Because that's just a natural consequence going against this guy. Oh, man. I, it's hard to explain to people. Like, you love that movie even though you weren't alive then. Um, TNT and TBS would do Rocky marathons, one through five. And five never made sense to me. Oh, no. Because it's terrible. At that point, he's like a vegetable. Yeah. Essentially walking yeah. around. Well, he takes a lot of punishment. He gets into like a street fight and I'm like, what is going on here? And then I'm supposed to believe in Rocky Balboa that cognitively he can still fight at a world-class championship boxing level. No, 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 no. <laughs> His strategy in Rocky four appears to be, I'm just going to let him punch me. It's a bad rope a dope. It's not even a rope, though, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, because he's just taking punches full on in the face. Yeah. In the face. <laughs> you know, it's just not a good strategy. But um, that's the only part of Rocky Five that sort of makes sense that he would be damaged, yeah. that he would have some brain damage going on, given the fight sequences that happened in, in Rocky, Rocky Four. Four. But, yeah. Um, um, it's hard to explain to people. 
if you're younger, that how 80s this movie is. It's so wonderfully 80s that when I watch it, it's just like a nice slice, heaping slice of nostalgia. Like you have the Cold War stuff, which is so big. I mean, this comes out around the time Red Dawn comes out. I mean, just everything about uh, the, the 80s and the Cold War is present in this movie. Um, it, it's got the, the robot made. Oh, yeah. Randomly. <laughs> it's got... Um, the, the hair, I, I I hadn't seen this in a long time. Even Stallone's hair is like all feathered. It is. Oh, man. It's so wonderfully, deliciously 80s. Everything about this movie um, is. So much red, white, and blue. Yeah. Even like the two gloves, the American glove and the Russian glove hitting each other and exploding. <laughs> I forgot that happened. <laughs> that is a real thing that they put in this movie. Oh, my goodness. Um like Rocky three nearly made the list just on the fact that Mr. T and Hulk Hogan are in it. (laughs) (laughs) And and Hulk Hogan is not Hulk Hogan. He's thunder lips. Yeah. (laughs) And Mr. T is clubber Lang. Yeah. Kills Mickey. But yeah, well, I mean, that's makes it sound like he murdered, but he kind of did. It was his fault. Um, It's not like, you know, Yvonne Drago killed Apollo. Yeah, which he did. Yeah. Like, but beat him to a pulp. And so back to the 80s thing, he's on roids because, of course, he's the bad guy. He's Russian, yeah. so he's on roids. And that's been the thing, like, over all the Olympics, everyone suspected the Russians were doping. They're still doing it today. Yes. We're talking about it in the year 2022, and you're having Russian athletes getting caught doping. Rocky Four, Basically a biography movie <laughs> it's basically real life it's made all of it all of it all of it was true as han solo would say oh man that's a great pick if if not for its quality of a of cinema it's just wonderful nostalgia yeah uh, there was no feeling like the end of that movie gave me oh yeah wonderful <laughs> um i have a similar pick in that Nobody is going to look at this movie and say this is cinematic achievement, right? My gold medal movie is a movie from 1986 called Hoosiers about Mm -hmm. failed college coach Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman, played wonderfully by Gene Hackman, who gets a chance at redemption when he's hired to direct the basketball program at a high school in a tiny Indiana town. After teacher Barbara Hershey persuades star player Jimmy Chitwood to quit and focus on his long-neglected studies, Dale struggles to develop a winning team in the face of community criticism for his temper and his unconventional choice of assistant coach Shooter, played by Dennis Hopper, a notorious alcoholic. Uh, Hopper, I believe, wins an Academy Award for this role. Mm. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, if I remember right. Only made $28 million uh, at the box office. 91% 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what I love about Hoosiers is early on Gene Hackman, and there's a quote where they're they're starting to gel a little bit. They're still not winning games, but they're starting to gel. And you got to understand, they don't have very many kids. They've got like six kids playing yeah. basketball. It's a very rural team. You're supposed to understand. And he's saying, and he says something as like there, there's a montage of them getting better happening. And he says, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. 
He's demanding like they pass five times before they shoot the ball. Just these really ultra conservative, old school basketball things. And that's what I love about this movie is this movie, again, as all the best sports movie are, there's an allegory going on here. Yeah. And in Hoosiers, it's this allegory for America that's kind of paying respect to what used to be. Um, what made America great, essentially, is this old school grind and work ethic, right? Yeah. And, and, and it really, it comes down to, so the, the spoiler, they make the championship game in Indiana. This is all based on a true story, by the way, that this small little high school, because Indiana was one of the last hangers on that didn't have classes, uh, based on size. Mm -hmm. And so their tournament was a tournament of all, imagine all the high schools in your state playing in the same tournament. It would be a real disadvantage to these small schools. Yes. So this little school in Indiana coached by Gene Hackman in the movie uh, called Hickory. And then that wasn't the actual name of the high school in the real life version plays a high school team from South Bend Oh. and they win and they do it doing like, all these conservative, they're clearly out talented, right? By this team, but they're running backdoor cuts. They're, they're just playing good fundamental basketball bounce passes. And it's this allegory that the old way is still good. Right. And basketball is a great place to tell a story like this because basketball today is, if you hadn't watched basketball, like if you just had been in a coma for 30 years, <laughs> And the last thing you remember is like 19 late eighties basketball. And you woke up now, it'd be like watching something completely different. You'd be oh, like, yeah. what happened? It's, 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 it just changes. And so much of my problems with basketball is and this. I, I feel old watching basketball sometimes and football for that matter. Cause I'm like, why do they do all this stuff? Why don't the, why don't more teams do the simple stuff that we know works like in football? Every, like, look, we live in a rural area, a somewhat rural area in Southeast Kansas, and every small high school around here runs the spread offense. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Tighten that package up and run veer left and veer right. That's what works, bro. That's not how we do it. And that's the same way I feel like in basketball is, is, is basketball so predicated on like the pick and roll and one-on-ones now. And I'm just like. Hey, man, throw it to the post. <laughs> I'm going to pull up from half court and shoot three. Oh, man. And and one of the messages that this movie gives, and it's, it's an allegory for this whole thing, is that these old school values that maybe we've lost, they still work. Mm. And that they still can be victorious. Um, the other thing I love about this movie is Gene Hackman there's reports that Gene Hackman didn't want to do this movie and still thought of it, still thinks of it poorly. He doesn't like to talk about it, which is weird because I, this is my favorite movie. This is my favorite role is so endearing as an imperfect human being. Like he, you essentially learn in the course of the movie that he's, he was a promising college coach who punches one of his players and it all comes to a screeching halt as you might expect. Basically, Bobby Knight. Yeah, because he's got a temper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and 
in this movie, I, I mean, the redemption of his character through these young boys. Um, and, and it's basically reference at the end that what they did for him was more than what he did for them. Mm. And the movie ends with all these quotes in the movie where he's coaching them. All these coaching lines come out. Fundamentals, 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 blah, 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 this bounce pass. I want five passes. And then it pauses for a minute and it shows a team picture. And he says, I love you guys, which is something he says in the huddle right before the last shot of like the semifinal game. And it's just wonderful. It's just, it's everything you would ever want in a sports movie. And it's true. It's a true story. So this movie is one I need to watch as an adult. Oh man. Yeah. For me, I guess this movie would be Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh because also it's based, based on, in high school. And yeah. based on true story. Mm-hmm. And like it was a must-watch. But interesting side note, if I can interject, mm-hmm. I met Herman Boone. What? The actual coach Herman Boone, who Denzel Washington played in Remember the Titans. Nice dude. <laughs> well, he seemed nice. Yeah. Um. I, so, like, I have seen Hoosiers as a kid, but it was like when we would have a substitute teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to watch a movie. And <laughs> yeah. it, Those were good days. It, it was a kind of drug. Yeah. But I was also a little hyperactive as a kid, so uh, I I need to go back and watch this movie in order to watch Hoosiers you have to be able to shut off certain parts of your 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 criticism so it was made in 1986 but this is a low budget movie even for then and it's made in a style that makes it seem older Mm -hmm. like when you're watching this movie you'd think it's like a late 70s movie yeah early 80s at the most Um, and it's made intentionally with that style and again they're trying to to play off of like this this allegory of the old way. Can mm. the old way still work? Yes. And when when you put it up against the Goliath of American industrialism and how it keeps rolling on, can it still hold up? The agrarian, it's like it really is like this allegory of agrarian versus assembly line. The assembly line of South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> yep. And, and well, I mean, I, I can't remember the actual story, but I think that there's kids on that South Bend team that go on to play college ball, like high profile college ball. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's absolutely this, this style of story. Like, yeah, something we kind of talked about in, with miracle that sometimes the unity of a team and these, this old way of doing things still wins out over talent and assembly line production. Yeah. And it's just a great film. So the three baseball movies, because I didn't know what your gold medal movie was going to be based around, that I thought of was The Rookie, which is based on a real-life story about an old guy. The Quaid? Yeah, starring the Dennis Quaid. And he actually gets to pitch in the That's a good film. Love that movie, yeah. Uh, A League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. I that was on TNT as well growing up, uh, and it was hilarious. I thought uh, Tom Hanks, yeah, Madonna. There's no crying in baseball. Yeah, Gina Davis. Yeah, great yeah. movie. Uh, and we didn't mention any of the major leagues. Oh yeah, 
Uh, Major League, well, I we don't need to mention the sequels, but Major League is really is really a good movie. Yes. And, and, and it's got a lot of sports tropes. It's got the owner who wants the team to lose. Mm. And it's a bunch of misfits. You know, she she stalks the team with misfits. Uh, but yeah, so funny. Such a good movie. Yes. And two only deserves mentioned because it has a, a part played by Randy Quaid, which is hilarious, <laughs> where he's like disowns the team because they're underperforming and he disowns them so much that he can't enjoy it when they turn things around. Yeah. Well, losing the playoffs. <laughs> um, we didn't mention radio. Radio. Good flick. Good uh, movie. And we didn't mention bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> or bring it on, It too. has already been barat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, that one slipped in my mind. <laughs> I don't know how. Mm. Is mm. Drumline a sports movie? It's competitive drumming. Nick Cannon thinks so. Yeah. <laughs> um, eh, you know, it's got some stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, there was several. Like, if, there's if, so if we were many talking movies. TV, I would include Friday Night Lights, the TV uh, series. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is an amazing one, but yeah, coach, we've, we've talked so much about that. So many of it where sports is the backdrop. Yeah. But it's really not what it's about. Coach, wonderful television show in the eighties. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. Great. Bill. Bill Fagerbach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Patrick from SpongeBob. Dick Van Dyke's brother. Dick Van Dyke's who I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Something Van Dyke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, really, we could go on and on. So tell us your favorites. Um, interact with us on our social media. I'm sure there's many we didn't talk about. Oh, so many. And it's not because we didn't enjoy them or like them. It's just this is really hard to do. We really needed a guest for this show. Um, needed like five guests. Yeah. Um, we'll also, uh, sometime in the weekend after this pod comes out, we'll put our uh, lobby prompt on our social media as well, on Facebook and Twitter, feel free to ask us a question. Uh, that helps us out a lot if we have questions to answer during our lobby segment. As you hear, these are real questions from real people who ask them. Ask us anything you want. Doesn't any, You don't even have to ask us pop culture. You can ask something about us. We'll answer whatever. Yeah. Ask us whatever you would like, and we will endeavor to answer it the best we can. You don't even know what my favorite movie snack is. You don't even know. Actually, I think we've discussed that. Almost so nunchucked you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, it's late. I think I'm getting delirious. Uh, thank you so much, everybody uh, who listens to the podcast. If you if you love our podcast, if you could do us a favor and go on to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen, leave us a review, leave us a good rating. Uh, that helps uh, uh, the visibility of the podcast. We would love to find new people who would also love listening to this podcast. Uh, that would help us out to raise the exposure because there's things we want to do. We've we've got lots of ideas and plans, and so doing that only uh, will help out your experience. Uh, with Pop Culture Pastor and listening to the podcast and what else, what other things we have planned on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so if you could do that. And uh, yeah, have a good week, everybody. Thanks a lot. See you in the next Pop Culture Pastor. Pop Culture Pastor.